and we will be taking we've got plenty of time at the end of this uh panel to take all of your questions so please do take a note of um, any questions that you have for berber from that review so next um i'd love to introduce Mayra al zogbi who's our senior financial sector specialist leading cgap strategy research and development unit Maida has um, many years of experience working in financial inclusion and um, on women's financial inclusion, specifically financial services and crisis environments and other emerging topics. Um, she has led numerous technical assistance, evaluation and research assignments, and also served as a research director for USAID's, uh, for USAID Knowledge Management Initiative on microfinance <laughs> and conflict. Um, so thank you, Mayra, and welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's, it's great to be here. I just want to give a, a quick introduction to CGAP for those of you who don't know CGAP. CGAP is a knowledge platform, um, and it's based and housed in the World Bank Group. Uh, we are essentially a donor consortium. We are around 30 or so donors have come together to first uh, build the knowledge base initially on microfinance, and since then uh, have expanded to include broader financial sector development for the poor. Um, we work, so we're a donor network, but we don't only serve the needs of donors. We actually have a knowledge function that goes beyond. So we work with providers, we work with policymakers, and uh, specifically we have a special relationship with the donors that support the financial inclusion space. Um, so today I wanted to just um, react a little bit to the resilience paper. I mean, we were, CGAP was one of the reviewers of the paper. We were, I mean, we're really delighted to see this come out um, because we believe that actually one of the core ways in which financial inclusion can lead to welfare benefits for poor people is through resilience. And so we, we actually are interested in reframing the way we think about financial inclusion using a resilience lens. I think uh, we've come from an industry that has over um, made too many claims uh, in the past, and we've suffered from that when we've said we're going to eradicate poverty and so on. So we, we welcome this framing, we welcome this research, and we, it aligns completely with the work that CGAP is doing in terms of reframing the narrative on the role of financial inclusion. Um, and then it aligns uh, with, with the sim a literature review that we've done, uh, so very, very similar findings. Um, so I mentioned that we are trying, we're in the process of what we're calling it changing the narrative. So you know, going beyond the simplistic narratives that we've used in the financial inclusion space um, to move towards evidence-based narratives and more realistic way of talking about the role of financial, financial services to serve the poor. Um, so this process of updating the narrative, and I'll talk a little bit more about it, has led to resilience as one of the key channels by which financial inclusion uh, supports the poor. Um, so this is a, little, uh, a lot of text, <laughs> so sorry about that. Um, so the bottom line is our, the existing narratives we use in our space, in the financial inclusion space, um, they're really outdated. Um, and a lot of them were, I call them faith-based. They were not really about the evidence. So we were hoping that financial services uh, could uh, support poor people uh, out of poverty. We made all these claims about microcredit for many decades, for like over a decade. Um, and I, I do feel that the, the industry is maturing and we are moving away from that. But we do need the new narrative because right now we don't have it. We have a bunch of different things um, that uh, different segments of our industry are using. So those who work in digital finance have a lot to say around the role of digital and it is actually in some ways mirroring the overclaims we made in microcredit. So there is a need for our industry to have a clearer narrative around what is the role of financial services for the poor. 
Um, so I've already mentioned that the narratives that are out there have not been based on the evidence. Um, but one of the other challenges that we face is the evidence alone does not tell a narrative, does not tell a story. And we come from an industry where there was a very, very powerful story that actually uh, elevated financial services for the poor to kind of global uh, level. Um, so with you know, this idea of microcredit, supporting the, the entrepreneur, the entrepreneur through self-motivation and help um, you know, solving their poverty issues. That's, that's a very compelling story that a lot of people love. Uh, the US in particular loves this kind of capitalist model of self-help. Um, so, uh, but, um, so but, but when you look at the current evidence, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of little things, and it's very hard to tie it together. So you need more than just the evidence to tell the story. You actually need to come in and tie the things together, and you need to build a narrative. And w the way we're doing that is we're actually undertaking um, a, a, a reframing the theory of change for financial services of the poor, and then mapping the evidence against it so that we can say, okay, well, this is where we know uh, we have already existing evidence on how financial services support the poor, and then this is what we don't know, and this is where we need additional research. Um, so we started this process of, of a literature review. We've gone much beyond just the, the resilience literature. We've looked at much broader, uh, the, uh, much, the much broader evidence base on the role of financial services. We are we've undertaken this extensive consultative process to develop a theory of change. We've been engaging with a lot of researchers, a lot of, um, a lot of donors, and others to build a theory of change. And I'm going to share with you uh, what that looks like. I'm not going to go into the details. We will be releasing a lot more on that in, a, a, in the summer. And then the, the next step is really then, well, what does this mean? Where should we be prioritizing? Where do we need to be scaling? Where do we need to be exiting? Where do we need to be doing more research? So this is what, the, what our emerging theory of change looks like. It has two primary channels. So there's a, we take a slightly different approach than what the paper does. So we, 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 we see resilience, and then we have opportunity, and then there, there are preconditions for both of those. Um, we separate opportunity, kind of the, this ability to seize and make investments into welfare-enhancing things. We, we look at it separately um, than, than putting it under resilience. And we can talk a little bit more about that later, why we've chosen to do that. But that's kind of the approach we've taken. Uh, we're taking the lens from a, this is from a customer lens. This is from a poor person's lens. How does change happen in our lives? And we're saying that these are two channels by which change happens. Um, so a couple things I wanted to note. Um, so we have many of the same uh, kind of st financial strategies that people uh, use for building resilience. The thing, the thing about our theory of change, which is it's very connected it, to, to the, the paper, is that there is this very iterative um, interplay between resilience and opportunity. Those two things go together. Um, so you need a certain amount of resilience to be able to take risk. But once you've, um, you know, once you, once you're stable, uh, you, sorry, once you, uh, once you make those investments, you, you have uh, better resilience and so on. So these two things kind of go hand in hand. All right. So the key takeaways that we wanted to, uh, I just wanted to leave you with, and we can talk a lot more later, um, is that for financial services for the poor, we want to reset expectations based on the evidence. We, we want to move away from kind of uh, over-simplistic stories. Um, we do see a very strong interconnectedness between res uh, resilience and the ability of a poor person to seize an opportunity. They are not sequential. It's not that one happens and then the next thing happens. Um, we do think that well-being improvements are not just contingent on the individual's actions and endowments. And I think one of the risks, and I think we'll talk a lot, a lot, a lot about that at the panel, one of the risks we see is that too much is put into the responsibility of the poor person to solve their own uh, poverty issue. And we think that there's lots of other things going on, contexts and markets uh, play an important role, as well as household dynamics. 
And then we, we as, a, as a knowledge hub, we have a lot to say to policymakers and donors, and I can get more into that in the panel. I run out of time. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Thank you so much.